Genesis chapter 22, beginning with verse number 1. Genesis 22, beginning with verse number 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. And then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of the young men with him. Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I shall go yonder and worship and come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand, the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac said to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, he said, here am I, my son. He said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar and the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay the son. But the angel of the Lord called out of heaven and said to him, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you do not withhold your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord that it shall be provided. This morning, just to play off from last week, we uh, looked at this scripture last week and I gave you some pointers and, and uh, I shared from you what the, I believe the Spirit was speaking to us concerning this scripture. And this morning, I want to uh, look at this scripture again and I want to ask you a question. Um, how big is your sacrifice? How big is your sacrifice? Would you say that with me today? How big is your sacrifice? Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to look at your word this morning. We thank you, Father, that you have provided an opportunity for us to look at your word. And I pray today, Lord, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, that we would hear your word and understand your word with clarity. And uh, let it go forth in power and in boldness. And everyone shouted a great big amen. As we look at this story in Genesis chapter 22, I want to remind you that this is a story of sacrifice. This is a story of giving up something that is of great importance to the Lord. And I believe in Christianity that there is a major crisis, and I said this last week. This, there's a major crisis in Christianity, and that is this. We have somehow prostituted the biblical concept of faith, and we are beginning to think that somehow it is all about us getting something from God all the time. Uh, we come to church and we have this mindset and mentality of what can God do for me? I'm here to get my blessing. I'm here to get my praise on. I'm here to get my 
uh, I'm here to get my blessing from the Lord. What can God do for me? Or when is God going to turn this around for me? And uh, what, what does God have that I can get? And sometimes, and I said this last week because I think it's so true, sometimes if we're not careful, we look at God and we look at church as some kind of spiritual slot machine. That we come to church and we, we praise the Lord, praise as the lever, so we praise the Lord. And every time we praise the Lord, we get a blessing. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with walking in the blessing of God, don't get me wrong. But our mindset, if we're not careful, our mindset will begin to be that way in church, that it's all about us getting a blessing, and it's all about us getting a breakthrough, and it's all about us getting an experience, and it's all about us getting what we need from the Lord. And you see how selfish that can be? Do you see how self-centered that could be? Do you see how individualistic that can be? If we're not careful, that is the mindset that we will fall into. And I believe that the greater challenge this morning is not how much you can get from God, but how much God can get from you. Can I say that again this morning? The, the challenge today is not you getting more from God. The greater challenge is, is how much of God do you have? The greater challenge is how much of Him do you have? How much, of, how much does He have of you? It, are we stuck in this mindset where we're always wanting another blessing? We're always wanting another fix, so to speak. We're always running after the next experience. And please listen to my heart, ladies and gentlemen. I am Pentecostal. I love the Holy Spirit. I love experiences. I love to bask in the presence of God. I like dreams. I like visions. I like to be in the presence of God. I like all of that. But I am convinced that sometimes if we're not careful, that's all we're seeking after. And yet the Lord is more concerned about us how much of us does he really have? Is it possible we can come to church and get our blessing on, and yet God hasn't really dealt with the issues of our heart? Can I hear an amen? Is it possible that we can come and feel the goosebumps, and yet God's been dealing with you about your marriage? And God's been dealing with you about your attitude. God's been dealing about with your emotions. God's been dealing with you about the certain issues of your life, and you're running after the next goosebump. Maybe what the Holy Spirit is saying, what I want to do in your life, the Holy Spirit is not a goosebump. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He's likened to a dove. The Holy Spirit is not fire. He's likened to fire. The Holy Spirit is not just a good experience. The Holy Spirit is a transformational agent in your life to transform you from one person to another person, to take you from point B to take you to point C. Can I hear an amen? Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Is there things in your life the Holy Spirit is speaking to, saying, listen, you need to change in this area. There's some things you need to shape up in. There's some things I've been speaking to you about that you need to change. And yet if we're not careful, we come to church seeking a blessing when all the time the Lord is saying, don't run after a blessing. The blessing is found in me. I am your blessing. Let me tell you, can I ask you a question? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough to satisfy you? 
Is Jesus enough to complete you? Is Jesus enough to satisfy you? Or do we have to have everything else to complement us and to complete us? Is Jesus enough? And if Jesus is not enough in your heart and Jesus is not enough in your life, you're going to have the tendency to run after things because you're looking for something to complete you. You're looking for something to make you feel good. You're looking for something to affirm who you are. And Jesus is saying, everything you've ever needed was always found in me. And if you run after me, you'll find your healing. And if you run after me, you'll get your blessing. And if you run after me, I will complete you how many of us have ran after other things and yet what we really need is to run after him he is what we need let me ask you some reflective questions this morning and there's a series of questions that's on the board but let me ask them to you because I want them to be in your spirit this morning and I want you to reflect on these questions number one put The first question up there. Number one, the Lord is saying, can I mature you without giving you a blessing? Or are you like, do I have to give you a treat for you to come to me so I can, you know what I'm saying? I mean, do I have to always give you something so you can grow up? Can I mature you without without giving you a blessing? Think about it. Some of us say, well, I'll grow up in the Lord as long as I'm not corrected. I'll grow up, I mean, I'll attend your church as long as you don't preach too hard. I'll go to your church as long as you don't demand that I come more than a few times a month. I'll come to your church as long as you preach pretty sermons and don't get on my toes. I mean, I really, I like the music. I like to get a blessing, but I I don't want to grow up. God forbid that he would have me to grow up. And the Lord is saying this morning, can I mature you? Can I grow you without giving you a blessing all the time? Number two, I want you to think about this question. Can I grow you without making promises that I'm going to give you things all the time? Can the Lord grow you up without promising you that he's going to give you things all the time? Number three, I want you to think about this. Can God trust you? Can God trust you without giving total disclosure to you? Do you have to have all the details up front? Are you a person that has to have everything laid out and you have to know every detail before you trust God? Now, should we plan? Oh, yes, Jesus said we should plan. And we should, if if, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You should plan and do everything you can do. But there are some times in your life you don't have all the answers. You don't see everything in the future. Some things are cloudy. You don't have all the information. And sometimes God asks you to do something without you having all the information. Can God trust you without giving you total disclosure about everything? Do you have to know everything in order for you to trust God? Do you have to have everything in order for you to trust God? There are times in my life that I didn't have all the answers. I'm not expected to have all the answers. There are times that I I made decisions. I was a little nervous, but I felt the inspiration of the Lord. I I did all, everything I've known to do according to scripture, according to wisdom, advice from people, and yet there are some things that was unanswered. And God is saying, can you trust me Can you take the next step without you knowing all the information that's in front of you? Because some of us wouldn't trust God if we knew 
all the trials we would be facing in the future. We wouldn't trust God if we understood some of the stuff that's in front of us. We would detour and go another way. But God is saying, can I trust you without giving you total disclosure about everything? I'm not going to share everything with you, but I want you to trust me. The next thing that God, the next thing I feel the Holy Spirit is asking you, can you manage the pain that comes with the pilgrimage of the process? Can you manage the pain that comes with the pilgrimage of the process? Listen, we're on a journey. We are on a journey. We're on this Christian journey together. It's called a process, isn't it? It's called a process. You see, God has given us a promise, but all of us is involved in the process. The promise is the word of God. The promise is what God has showed to you in secret. The promise is in God's hands. There's nothing the devil could do about the promise of God. If God has spoken a word to you and it's confirmed by the word of God, that promise is in God's hands and there's nothing that the devil can do about it. But the devil can get in the process and in the process you can forfeit the promise of God. Can I hear an amen? The devil ain't in the promise. The devil's in the process. Can I hear an amen? And you've got to be careful in the process because if you're not careful in the process, you're going to forfeit the promise of God that's given to you. Can you manage the pain that goes with the process? There is going to be pain and heartache in the process. That is why you've got to trust God. That is why you've got to trust God. Even though you don't know everything that's ahead of you, you've got to trust God. Can you trust God without him sharing everything with you? Can you manage the pain that comes with the pilgrimage of the process? And let me say this, that the quote here is, can you manage the pain? Because you're never going to do without pain. You're going to have pain because pain is a good thing. Pain is an indicator that something is wrong. Conflict is good. It's an indicator that something needs to be changed and addressed. There are some situations in the process that God will allow you to have pain because he wants to draw attention to your life in a certain area that he desires for you to change. And are you able and are you mature enough as a Christian that you're able to handle the pain and manage in the process without giving up on God, getting mad at the church, getting mad at people because it ain't going the way you think it should go. And the Holy Spirit is saying, what I want to do in your life is much greater than you can ever imagine. But you need to sit down, enjoy the journey and learn how to manage the pain in the process. Can you manage the pain? Are you strong enough to manage the pain? What, how, what about it? Uh, let, let me tell you something. Activity doesn't equal maturity. Just because you've been saved 30 years doesn't mean you're mature. Just because you've been attending church doesn't mean you're mature. Come on, somebody. Activity doesn't equal maturity. So that means you can be in the process and never mature. That means you can be in the process and go through the same junk all your life and really never mature because you never allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. You're always thinking it's somebody else. 
and you're never doing, you're never allowing the Holy Spirit to work on you because it's too painful to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, and it's painful to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. It's much easier for us to seek after a goosebump. It's much easier for us to seek after a blessing instead of saying, Lord, there are some things in my life that if you don't change, it will never change. There are some things in my life, if you don't correct, it will never be corrected. And I want to submit under your hand and I want to submit under your authority because I don't want to repeat this process all my life. And there are some people that there, there are some people 80 years old and they still haven't got it because they're still repeating the process because the Lord for years has been knocking at the door of their heart and they're thinking, boy, if I can just get another blessing. And the Lord is saying, listen, the blessing that I have for you is found in your brokenness. The blessing that I have, that I have for you is found in your contrite heart. It's interesting to me in the story of, of, of Abraham and Isaac. Now, hold on. Don't lose me. Isaac goes to the mountain, and the Lord is saying, listen, if you truly trust me, I want you to go and offer your son. The Bible says in verse 1, Genesis 22, verse 1, the Bible says it came to pass after these things that God is the one that tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And then the scripture says, then he said, take your now son and your only son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering in one of the mountains that I will show you. Now get this. He said, I want you to go to the land of Moriah and I want you to go to one of the mountains. The Lord never said to Abraham, I want you to go down the road to 7th Street when you get down to the light, I want you to take a right by Walmart. And when you get to Walmart, go down this 4th Street and take another right. And I want you to go up 1st Street. And when you get up the 1st Street, take a right at Oak Street. And there's a little brown house there. And there is where I want you to offer your son. No, 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 no. The Lord said, I want you to go to the region. Go to the land of Moriah. And I'm going to show you which mountain to go. I'm going to show you which mountain to offer your son upon. In other words, the Lord is saying, if you really trust me, you're going to have to take a step without you knowing which mountain to go to. I told you what direction to go to, but I didn't give you the specific location where to go to. You see, in the plan of God, God will tell you what direction to go in, but sometimes he will not give any other further instruction instead of what direction to go to. Are you willing to trust God even though you don't know what mountain to go to? Get up, Abraham, and go to the mountain. And when you get there, I'm going to show you which mountain to offer your son as a living, as a sacrifice. Look at verse number four. As Abraham was taking the step, as he's taking his son, the Bible says, and on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar off. You see, you will begin to see things clearly when you begin to take steps. Even though you don't understand everything and you don't have all the instruction, he's just giving you a direction to go in. If you go in the direction that he has you to go in, without him giving you specific instructions, you're going to see things from afar off. 
he got up and he began to go and he began to see some things afar off. Do you see? Abraham had to learn to trust God. What about it, ladies and gentlemen? What is God doing in your life? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Or are we, are we licking our wounds? You know, some people like to lick their wounds. It draws attention to it. What, what about it? Some, some people love, love it, you know. And the Lord is saying, listen, listen, listen. I'm trying to grow you up in some areas. And grow, growth pains really hurts. You know, it, it just hurts. Hurts to grow, don't it? Listen, the Lord spoke, the Lord has spoken things to me. I, I, I would say, and, and people have came to me and, you know, in times past and said things that, you know, pastor, maybe you need to work on this. And it, it, it hurt. But you know what? After I thought about it and reflected on it, the Holy Spirit begins to use things to mold you and make you and shape you into the person that God has destined for you. See, you, this journey never ends. He's always forming you and molding you and making you. And see, that's why when you come to church, it's just not about information. It is about formation. It is just not about the Word of God. It is about formation. And when you hear the Word of God, you see, learning comes through repetition, right? That's why we hear the Word every week, because we got to repeat the Word over and over. Learning comes through concentration, because you got to concentrate on the Word of God. And not only concentration, it, learning comes through comprehension, because you can come and you can listen to the word every week and you can concentrate on the word, but if you don't comprehend the word, the comprehension will never bring forth truth in your life if you don't comprehend what the word of God is trying to do in your life. All you're going to do is come to church and listen to a preacher preach and you're going to concentrate on what he's saying and he's going to say the same thing. You're going to hear things over and over and yet it doesn't comprehend with you that the knowledge of the truth sets you free. It's truth don't set you free. It is the knowledge of the truth that sets you free. How do I get knowledge of the truth? You get knowledge of the truth when you comprehend the truth of the word of God. Are you hearing me? So we get up here and we preach, oh, the truth will set you free. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you shall know, have knowledge of the truth, and the truth will set you free. We preach truth every week, don't we? Every Sunday there's truth being preached. Every Sunday the word is going forth, and yet every Sunday people are still living in a rut. And every Sunday people are still dealing with the same issues over and over because it's not truth that sets you free. It's knowing the truth that sets you free. It's comprehending the truth that sets you Set you free, and it's allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life. What is the Holy Spirit speaking in your life? The same sin that we're dealing with, same issues we're dealing with. Don't you think there comes a time where the Holy Spirit says it's time to grow up? Is this all right up in here? Do y'all still love me? <laughs> Is this all right? You see, but there's going to be going to be some pain. Yeah, I, I'm just going to be honest. Just, now we're we're friends. We're friends. We love each other. But I have very, this is just personal. You didn't come hear my personal remarks, but I'm going to throw one anyway, okay? I'm just going to throw this in. This is no reflection on you. This is just my, I, I just have very low tolerance with, with weak Christians. I just have very low tolerance. 
Because if you and and if you're weak, we need to put you on a bus and send you to Africa for about three weeks. Come back and you'll be a transformed Christian. I tell you, you'll be like on fire for Jesus. Nobody's going to have to Come on, somebody. I mean, it, it just really transforms you if you just go outside of your little box. So I just have, I just, I have a hard time. Because, listen, I had it rough growing up, r- very rough. And I, I no disrespect to anybody. I just, I just had to learn to believe and trust God and go to church. And I just had, and I just don't understand this, this weak kneed Christianity where, oh, you know, I don't feel like going. You know, I just, oh, you know, just weak, just passive, and, and just so just ugh, lethargic. I just don't know. No, I want some men of God to get in a foxhole, baby, get in a foxhole and learn how to fight. I want somebody that knows they got my back. I don't want no sissy running around. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I don't know. It's too hot. I don't know. If I can fight. I want somebody to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and learn how to trust God. Learn how to stand on your feet and say, preacher, I trust God with you. God forgive us of this weak kneed Christianity. So passive. I mean, my God, so sick. You know, you come to church tonight? No, I'm tired. Well, baby, who ain't tired? Come on. You know, no, I can't, you know, I can't go to church, you know. I just, and church, now listen, and and another misconception is you can go to church and never grow either. I mean, I've seen that. Church is just an agent that the Spirit of God uses to transform us if we allow the Spirit of God to do that. So, Abraham said, uh, he's going to go and offer his sacrifice to the Lord. His sacrifice was a big sacrifice, was it not? It was his son. And there will come a time in your life where the Lord is going to have to ask. The Lord will ask you to do things, and some of them are insignificant. But that's how the Lord works. He first starts by saying, shape up this area. Uh, okay, Lord, you shape up that area. And the Lord says, I want you to do this. Step out of your comfort zone and go minister to that person. Okay, he takes you in progression. The Lord will never ask you to give something big unless you've been through the process because your faith builds. And the Lord, the only reason the Lord is asking you to do it is because he knows you can do it. So, so don't become up here believing God for a million dollars and you, you can't believe God for $30. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to start small and then work your way up. Start believing God. You say, well, preacher, David, David killed a bear. He killed a lion before he ever killed Goliath. And before David ever got there, When he looked at Goliath, he had some victories under his belt. And he says, I remember God gave me victory over the bear. God gave me victory over the lion. And God's going to give me victory over this giant. (laughs) Hallelujah. David David just didn't get up one morning, put his pants on and say, I'm going to get this this giant. No, no, no. God 
was already working in David when he was killing the bear, when he was killing the lion. God was preparing David for that big sacrifice on the field. You know, we, we preach the story of David like, oh, it's some kind of miraculous story. It ain't that miraculous. Because in the Jewish people, the slingshot was an actual weapon that they used. And you had to be trained with a slingshot. It wasn't something that David went up in the field one day and said, hey, give me your slingshot. Do I have anything that God, let me just get a slingshot. Let me just use whatever. No, no, no. The principle of the story of David is this, that David was being in process with God. He killed the bear, he killed the lion, and he was already trained in how to use the slingshot. So God was already training him before he ever met the giant. So that tells me that God used his training and God used his skill to kill, the, to kill Goliath. God just didn't haphazardly tell David to get up and go kill him. God says, I've been perfecting you. I've been working on you. I've been training you how to kill the bear. I've trained you how to kill the lion. I've trained you how to use a slingshot because there's coming a day when you're going to have an enemy that stands before you and all that training that you've invested in and all the skill that you've developed, I'm going to use your skill. I'm going to use your training because you're going, you, you, you just didn't go to training. You just didn't have investments in your life for nothing. I've put that in your life because I want to use you to slay the giant called Goliath. And we preach the story as if, oh, it's a miracle. He just picked up the slingshot and the Holy Ghost took the rock and hit him in the head. No. He used his skill to kill Goliath. Yes, the Lord was involved, but the Lord was you see, you see how, you see what our mind thinks? We always think about the miraculous. And listen, I believe in miracles. Don't get me wrong. But we fail to understand that God was putting David in a process of learning and growing and learning how to kill the bear and learning how to kill the lion, learning how to use a slingshot before he ever killed Goliath. We want to hoop and holler about the miracle, but we forget about the process that the Holy Spirit was putting David in before he was ever put in the champion ring. Champions are only recognized in the ring. They're really champions because they got up every morning and worked out. The only reason they got applause when they win in the ring is because actually they had been in process for years. And that's why you should never criticize somebody's praise unless you know what they've been through. Paul said, press towards the mark of the prize. Of the, you see, there it is. We always want the prize, but you forget what Paul said, press towards the mark There are marks before there is a prize. There is process before there's a prize. That, come on, somebody. There's a working out before there's recognition. So, 
Back to these questions. Number one, let's review them. Number one, can I mature you without giving you a blessing? Are you able to grow up? Is the Lord able to speak to you and mold you and shape you and form you without promising you to give you something? Number two, can I grow you without making promises that I'm going to give things to you? Number three, can God trust you without giving you all the information up front? Number four, can you manage the pain that comes with the pilgrimage of the process? Is there another one? That's it. What about it? What about it? Can God trust you? Are you pliable in His hands? You see, in closing, Abraham, when he got to the mountain, his son Isaac said, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? I see the wood. I see the knife. I see the fire. But where's the lamb? And what does Abraham say? Abraham said, Son, God will provide. Now, I want you to see that I brought this out last week but I think it's important to bring it out again. They, listen, wood, fire, and a knife were things that Abraham was going to use to slay his son Isaac. What are they? Everybody say wood, knife, and fire. Those were the ingredients that he's going to use to kill and to slay his son as a sacrifice. And it's interesting to me that at the beginning of the story, they had to climb the mountain, right? They're going to one of the mountains that the Lord is showing them in Moriah. They're climbing the mountain, and as they climb the mountain, Abraham and Isaac are climbing the mountain, and they are carrying the wood, the knife, and the fire. Now, why are they going to the mountain? Why are they going to the mountain? Because the Bible says that Abraham said, Son, we're going to the mountain. We're going yonder to worship. Because sacrifice always equals worship. And Abraham knew that. It may have been his son, but it was an act of worship. So Abraham said, we're going to the mountain, we're going to worship. And as they climb the mountain, they have the wood, the fire, and the knife. Now the wood, the fire, the knife represent things that kill you. The wood, the hay, or excuse me, the wood, the fire, and the knife represent things that hurt you. And where are they going? They're going to worship. The greatest test of your faith is this. Can you carry things in your life that's painful while you go to worship? Can you carry the wood, the knife, and the fire, which represents things that can hurt you? Can you carry that while you worship? Can you carry pain as you worship? Can you carry heartache as your worship? 
That's the greatest test of your faith. Anybody can sit there in their seat and say, I refuse to worship because I've had a bad week. But it takes somebody who is mature enough in the spirit that knows how to worship in spite of how they feel. Thank you. Can you carry the knife? Can you carry the fire as you worship? I've pastored for 15 years and I've seen a lot of people leave the church because they're hurt, aggravated, mad, upset, and the list, you just check the list. And you know what really, you know what really the issue is? It's a heart issue. They have not yet allowed. Is there problems in church? Well, believe me, there's problems. And sometimes the Lord does lead you on. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes the Lord leads you on to another place. That's fine and good. But sometimes, even in our marriages, in our relationships, the places that we work, the Lord is saying, I'm using all those things to mold you and make you, and yet you seem to think it's aggravation to you. It's frustration to you. And the Lord is saying, yeah, I intended it to be aggravating to you. I've intended it for you to get frustrated because it's my mighty hand in these things and I'm teaching you to be a man and woman of character. I'm teaching you to be generous even when people are not generous. I'm teaching you to worship even when people don't worship. I'm teaching you to learn to stand on your two feet even when everybody else is falling apart. I'm teaching you to be a man and woman like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Can you worship while there's pain in your life? Worship. Anybody can worship when things go well. You see, I'm not saying worship like me because I'm different than you. But worship is action Abraham did something. He just didn't say he loved God. He did something. Worship always requires you to do something, not just say something. You can tell me you love God all you want, but words are cheap. Words are cheap. What about it, friend? What is the Spirit saying to you that it's time to grow up in? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you that it's time to shape up in? Can you manage the pain in the process? Can you worship while there's pain? Can you learn to trust God even when you don't have all the information? What about it? What is the Spirit saying? Now listen, I'm not saying anything that the Lord ain't working in my life. The Lord's working in my life. I'll be the first one to say, I'm the guilty party. I, me, Josh Pennington. Before I'm a pastor, before I'm a preacher and a student, I first and foremost am a worshiper. I am a contrite, repentant sinner in the sight of Almighty God and want God to mold me, shape me, make me, and develop me into the person that God wants me. Do you have that heart? Because if we don't grow together, we grow apart. Do you have the heart? You have that heart that God, and you know what? I believe 
There's people in this building this morning that you're saying, Pastor, the whole time you're preaching, I'm crying, yes, 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 yes. I believe we got more of those folks in here that really want to change and grow and be the person that God wants you to be than those who don't. Can I hear an amen? There's a lot of people that you, you feel like the Spirit wants to do that in your life. Listen, 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 I'm not preaching towards anybody in particular. I'm preaching to myself as a pastor who loves God and wants his church to be fully dedicated, sold out, radical, obedient to Christ. I want you to follow Christ. Amen. Now, I want every person in this building, nobody talking, don't get on Facebook, because I don't want to go home and get on my Facebook and see at 11.32 you was posting something. If you're going to sin, do it smart. Some people don't even know how to sin smart, do they? They just, they just don't. <laughs> Woo, somebody say hallelujah. Y'all know I'm preaching right here. Is this all right? So, because I've delivered my heart and my soul to you. This is the word of God to you. Don't leave this place and reject the Word of God. 